We live in a world, in a society where seeing is believing. Am I right? We have these wonderful devices that stream into our lives all the information we will ever need. My wife and I, because of her broken foot, we've been relying quite a bit on delivery orders from Woolies and Coles and whatnot. And one thing that I just, I can't believe, I can't get past, is how much the delivery drivers were relying on their GPS coordinates. You see, quite often you can put on there for COVID reasons, please leave my order at the door. And I would panic and I would get worried because the GPS says that I live about four blocks down from where I actually live. Because it's a new location, it's a new building, and it's not yet appearing on the satellites. I mean, the building itself appears on the satellites, but the house number doesn't. So when the delivery driver pops in his GPS, he or she will go to that address and then find, wait, that's not the same house number. That's not, the lights weren't on, they clearly weren't expecting delivery. What is going on? And only if they actually have that thought process, do we then get a phone call to say, excuse me, I'm lost. Then comes the 20 minute or so ordeal (laughs) where we have to find them, find where they are, Ironically, sometimes using the GPS and then give them directions to actually be able to find our house. I've become very familiar with my neighborhood, having been to areas which I've never actually been to before, but only by directing the delivery drivers. Seeing is believing. Sometimes we set our GPS on things that we expect, that we rely on that we are confident in. I want you to say that word for me. Can you say confident? And we forget that we're actually putting our faith in these things. We're actually believing something there. And God sometimes asks us to believe without seeing. Have you ever thought about that word, confident? It actually comes from two Latin words, con fidelis, with faith. That's actually the root of what it means and how we are meant to have our confidence. Sometimes our confidence is in us. We believe in our own strength, our own ability, our own capacity. Sometimes it's in others, in our friends and our neighbors, believing in them or trusting in them and the way how they might treat us or behave towards us or in circumstances that they will go a certain way. Thomas had confidence that Jesus was going to be some revolutionary hero who was going to push the Romans out of of Israel with a sword riding a white stallion. And his confidence was shattered when that didn't happen. When our confidence in the things that we see or the things that we expect is broken, that's often when we doubt. When we doubt ourselves, when we doubt others, when we doubt the circumstances around us. And that's what we find here. In our discipleship, dear friends, we will encounter 
doubt. Because we live in a world that's hurting. Paul says the world groans with the weight of sin. And we need to remember that there are lots of people out there who have read Bibles or who have been exposed to churches and connected with churches who are carrying hurts and burdens and pain. Our job is not to stick the finger in the wound in that situation. But instead, try and understand and bring the love of Christ into that moment. And that is what we're going to explore today. My prayer and hope is that as you go from here today, or if you're listening online, this encourages you and emboldens you in your discipleship and in your sharing of the faith. So let us begin with a word of prayer. God, be with us, connect us. Give us confidence in you that we might be able to share your love in the ways you have intended. So we thank you for this moment in which we share. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before we get to Thomas, what happened was Jesus had appeared to the disciples. They saw him. And without questioning, they recognized him and they believed Now, that draws us, really, to some of our earlier learnings in this series. Do you remember when uh, John the Baptist was there and he saw Jesus? He was there with his disciples. He didn't think, oh no, here comes Jesus. He's going to take away my disciples. No, he wasn't territorial. Instead, he pointed to Jesus and he said, there he is. There is the Lamb of God who has come to save the world. And his disciples went and followed Jesus. Don't worry, he had plenty more. It's all good. But he was happy. Because that was his job. His job was to point to Jesus. And when Jesus walked by, his disciples went with him. And John the Baptist had done his job. What about Matthew? Matthew was sitting at his table. He was doing his usual thing. Taking bribes. Upcharging the taxes of his fellow Jews. And Jesus comes along and, and in my mind's eye, I imagine Jesus putting his hand on that table. Maybe, maybe just, just the tips of his fingers. And then saying, get up and follow me. And Matthew's life being changed drastically in that moment. Why? Because he saw Jesus. He recognized him. In that moment, the conviction of everything that Matthew had been doing had been building up inside him. It burst. And it allowed him to get up and walk with Jesus. Now Thomas, he is from his friends. The other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Just like John did. But Thomas said, unless I see the nail marks in his hand put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Dear friends, there are so many people who are saying that in today's world, who need some kind of empirical proof, evidence of Christ at work. Tell me, when have we become so full of ourselves that we need to ask the creator of this world to show us 
his handiwork. When have we become so self-important that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is only meaningful if he himself were to come and convince us? This is the rhetoric that we hear so much in this day by day. And the people who have the courage to share and to to testify and to say, you know what, I encountered Jesus, this is my testimony, are often ridiculed, put down, or called crazy. And I've personally experienced that. And why is it? Because Thomas's doubt exists today. And Thomas's doubt is something we need to understand as disciples of Jesus. We need to understand and remember that Thomas's doubt comes from that place of unmet expectations, of broken... What was that word I told you to say before? That's right. Because his confidelis, his faith in something, had been broken. Now think back to people in the world today who are experiencing this as well. Who are feeling this way. You know, 20 or so years ago, we used to talk about how everyone's got a God-shaped hole in their lives. And if you just, if you just talk about God, if you just put God back into that God-shaped hole, they'll be fine. They'll get over it. We know better. <laughs> it may have taken us 20 years. Or so, but we now realize that thumping people over the head with a Bible is not the way to get them to experience the love of Jesus. In fact, it is outright abuse. I don't think people have a God-shaped hole. I think people have hurt. And that hurt requires healing, love. And compassion. Their confidence, their confidelis, their ability to engage with faith needs to be restored. And this, for someone who believes, I believe that that faith is something that is endemic to all human beings. Whether it is faith in a higher power, faith in one another, or faith in ourselves. When that is shattered, dear friends, it can break The human spirit. I often see my personal job as being more of a doctor than a preacher. More of a nurse than a philosopher. Because in this world there are a lot of people who have been hurt and confused because of shattered expectations. And that human element of faith that needs to be built up is one that I want to try and help heal. And like surgeons, doctors, and nurses, I know that I'm not responsible for that. We aren't. Only God can bring about that healing. So Jesus comes in a week later and meets 
him. But before we jump into that situation, I want us to remember that even back in the Psalms, there was an acknowledgement that this confidence in the things that are not God's is transient. The psalmist says in chapter 20, verses 7 to 8, Some trust in chariots and others in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to the knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. See, our confidence cannot be in the things that are strong looking one day or that are popular one day because these things are transient. They pass. But when our confidence is in God, in that which is eternal, then that confidence can remain forever. And this is something we're going to be touching back on as we progress through our reading. So Jesus appears to the disciples. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. Now, there's a couple of things I want to highlight from here. I want to first draw us to the words we have here in orange. Peace be with you. Of course, many of us know that in Jesus' native language, that's how you said hello. That's how you said good day, isn't it? Shalom. Peace be with you. That's how you said hi. Now, I say that to you not to water down the significance of this, but to try and give another interpretation here. Because you see, who comes along and greets you with, Hi, good day? Your friends do. See, Jesus was making himself known in that moment. And this is so important because we expect that we're going to go to people and talk to people and just be like, Hey, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And they're going to be like, Oh, yes. Tell me, has that ever happened with you? <laughs> of course not. We need Jesus to actually make himself known in that context. Whether it is through his love coming through us. Whether it is by opening his word together with someone who has that confidence in the word and in the understanding of it. Or sometimes it's by just praying for that person and asking Jesus to reveal himself in ways we may not understand. Jesus comes among his friends and he says, peace be with you. The second reading we have for that is that he knew his friends were in turmoil. His friends were in conflict. The disciples had said to Thomas, we have seen Jesus. And Thomas is like, nah. Actually, no, his, his response was more aggressive than that, wasn't it? He said, I don't believe you. He accused them of lying. He accused them of being fools. If this is hitting home with any of you, it's certainly hitting home for me. How many times have we felt that way? Where we've shared, oh, I had a wonderful day at church. Oh, I was reading my Bible and this happened. I was at Bible study and it really spoke to me. And our friends are just like, yeah, shut up. It happens. It happens, guys. It does. People can be very rude about the things that we have our faith in. And that can be hard. It can be painful. It can cause us to lose confidence. 
But if confidence, confidelis, is to be with faith, then we need to hold on. We need to hold on to that. Despite what they're saying, despite what's going on. And this is Jesus' simple yet beautiful way of addressing that. In Luke 10, Jesus tells the 72, go out and witness to people. And wherever you go, be a person of what? Yes, peace. (laughs) Sorry, different word this time. Be a person of peace. Be confident in the peace that we are going to bring. Jesus doesn't want us to go and beat people over the head with the Bible. It's not a very loving act. He tells the 72 in Luke 10, enter into a house and wish peace upon that house and if they are people of peace that peace will be returned to you that is how you know you are there to share the gospel that is how you know you are there to share Christ's love now those disciples those 72 in Luke 10 they ended up casting out demons they ended up healing the sick and they came back to Jesus and they said wow Look what we can do. And Jesus is like, so what? You missed the story here. Your confidence is in the wrong thing. Instead, be glad that your names are written in the book of life. Because you went in there to be people of peace. To share that love. Anyway, today's sermon is not from Luke 10. I'll do that another day. (laughs) But we need to see the majesty And the beauty of this moment. Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. Jesus' appearance here reminds me of another story. In John 8 verses 48 to chapter 9, 12. Jesus is at the temple and he's teaching. And as he's teaching, people are getting pretty cranky with him and what he's saying. He starts seeing small stones being thrown in his direction. The temple was being refurbished, so they had bricks and stones around the place that had been broken up. And instead of the people of God actually picking these things up and putting them aside, you know, beautifying God's house, having a working bee, if you will, they didn't like what they were hearing, so they ended up, ended up picking up those stones and throwing them at Jesus. Jesus realized what was going on. See, those weren't being people of peace, were they? And so he vanished from their sight. That's what the original language says. He was transported out, he disappeared. You see, sometimes when we are sharing with people and they are not people of peace, part of the reason why Jesus says to shake the dust off your sandals, to walk away from that situation, is because they're throwing those stones not at you, not at me, but at Jesus. And Jesus removes himself from that situation. So, dear friends, I'm going to go with him. Don't be afraid of that. 
Don't be afraid that maybe in that situation you are casting pearls before swine. You are putting beautiful and wonderful things out there which is just not going to be received. Now the story doesn't end there. It doesn't end down here in a lack of... In, in a place of low confidence, it actually ends in a place of high confidence because the disciples are looking for the disappeared Jesus and they find him. They go outside of the temple. He is outside of the temple. Listen to how important this is. Jesus taught in the temple and they wanted to kill him. Then he went outside the temple and they found him. Is it any wonder? There's so much hurt with the church today. Because if people are only looking for Jesus in buildings with a cross on top, they're going to struggle to find him there when he is out in the community. And he comes across a man who had been born blind. And the disciples ask him a stupid question. I'm sorry. We are disciples of Jesus as well, aren't we? So we can afford to be a little bit critical. (laughs) They said, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be this way? And Jesus said, this has happened so that God's will will be done. He will be glorified. And he asked the man if he believed. Could the man see Jesus? Yet Jesus healed him. The rest of the chapter has this poor man running around going, where's the one who healed me? Come on, I want to thank him. I want to find him. And the Pharisee says, who healed you? Today's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do that. That's work. Oh, no. Where's the man who healed me? I need him to absolve me from these Pharisees who want to put me in jail. And then he finds Jesus. He says, do you believe the Son of Man healed you? He says, yes, I do. Well, now you see him. He believed. He was healed without needing to see. Yet Thomas, who walked with Jesus, who ate with Jesus, who spent time with Jesus, who saw him every day, could not believe without seeing. Thomas, what happened to your confidence? Sorry, I've given you too many words today. Thomas, what happened to your confidence? What happened to your faith? Jesus invites him. Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. What a courageous thing for Jesus to say. He could have just said to him, Thomas, you fool, what are you doing? You walked with me, you ate with me, you saw me, you spent time with me. You heard me say that I would be resurrected and standing before you. And yet you still did not believe. He could have said that. I'm going to go out on a limb here, dear friends. Can I confess something to you? Maybe I should stop the recording briefly. No. (laughs) I would have liked Jesus to have said that. 
Man, that would have been good. Man, that would have been sweet. How come Jesus says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, but yet Thomas gets the sweet, you know, I'll come here, I'll show you. Because <laughs> when I encounter doubting Thomases in my life, I just want to, you know, and I'm just, no, you're going to respond in love, Jesus, you're going to have grace, you're going to love your brother in this moment and actually give him what he wants. That's not fair. That's not what I want. But I am challenged. Because it tells me that my discipleship needs to come from that same place of grace. From that same place of love. From that confidence in the Christ who was willing to climb that cross for my sins. Now Jesus gives the backhand. He says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Dear friends, do you ever read something in scripture and you go, that's for me. That's for us. That's for the disciples of Christ today. That's for us in our sharing of the gospel. That's for us in our loving people who may not love us back. Blessed are you because you have loved without being loved. You have had confidence in times where there was nothing to be confident about. You have believed without seeing. What a beautiful moment in Thomas's story. And I, I wonder, what did Thomas go on to do? Tradition tells us he was a missionary who went far and beyond the confines of the world that he was in. And that he preached the gospel and that the churches in which he preached continue today. I don't know if that tradition is true, but I believe that an encounter like this with Jesus certainly would have impacted his life. Friends, we've been talking about confidence. In the book of Hebrews, the school of Paul talks about how faith is the substance of the things unseen, yet we believe. We need to remember that our confidence is not in these transient, terrestrial, passing things, but in one who is eternal. Paul explains this to the Corinthian church. For we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. Because we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident. And we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, from this earthly situation, for then we'll be at home with the Lord. I want to interpret this and say, yes, we would rather be away from this situation full of doubt. We would rather be away from this situation where there is lack of confidence. 
But that which our hope is connected to is beyond our seeing. It is a faith that we need to hold on to. Perhaps you are feeling that a situation in this world is so bleak and so hard. Sharing the gospel is something that may be beyond you. That's not what we're asking you today. But what we are asking you is that you have confidence in that love of Jesus. And let that flow out from your life. Because you will encounter doubting Thomases, doubting Johns, doubting Rachels, doubting, doubting Stephanies, doubting Carloses. That's okay. That's okay. We have a great model in Jesus. He responded in grace, didn't he? He responded in love. He responded in confidence. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this moment and we thank you that you can continue to challenge us and share with us so that our confidence is bolstered by you. I praise you that by your Holy Spirit, you are here in this moment with us and that we can hear your voice speaking to our hearts. We pray, Father God, for those people in our lives who may be doubting Thomases, whether friends, family, neighbors, or even, dare we say, ourselves. And we ask you to reveal yourself through your grace in our lives. Help us express that loving Jesus. And Father God, be present with us as we go and as we continue to share your love. So we thank you for this moment in Jesus' name. Amen.